Welcome to Independent Americans. Welcome to episode 113. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. And now, more than any other time, now is still a time to stay vigilant. Our goal by July 4th is to have 70% of adult Americans at least one shot and 160 million Americans fully vaccinated. That means giving close to 100 million shots, some first shots, other second shots, over the next 60 days. Of course, Americans can still get shots after July 4th, but no one should wait and let's try to hit that 70% mark, at least with one shot before that day. The fight against the coronavirus is the fight of our time. And after being pummeled for over a year, we're finally winning. We dug deep. We grit our teeth. We sucked it up. And we endured the barrage of the worst the virus could throw at us. We took body blow after body blow. We got knocked down. And the refs started to count. But we picked ourselves up off the mat. We steadied our feet. We remembered why we were in the fight. And we fought back and we're winning. But the fight is not over yet. Like in any fight, we've got to be a finisher. In any fight, the most important time, the defining time, is in the final rounds. When the fighters are tired, that's when their fate is decided. Great fighters get stronger as the fight gets longer. And May 2021 is the time when we'll find out what kind of fighter America is right now. But fighting is hard. Fighting is brutal. Fighting is sometimes unnecessary. Fighting is sometimes necessary. And fighting is exhausting. And right now, it feels like America's been fighting for a very long time. Since 9-11? Since Trump got elected? Since the pandemic hit? Since the election was settled? Since January 6th? It feels like we've been fighting a long, long time. But we're still fighting the virus. Even if some never did, some have given up, or some spike the ball before the game is over, America is still fighting the virus. America is also still fighting itself in ways big and small. And America is not doing nearly enough to fight against attacks from Russia and others that would do us harm and are right now attempting to do us harm. And not nearly enough of us as a country are fighting extremism, fighting racism, and fighting the deep divisions that will continue to tear us apart endanger our national security, and risk the future of our country for our children and our grandchildren. And the fights in Washington, and inside the Capitol especially, have never been more violent in our lifetime. It's been like mortal combat, political mortal combat.
Mortal Kombat, if you don't know, is a new movie based on an old video game. One of the most popular of all time. And right now, it's the number one movie in America. In theaters, where theaters are open, and on HBO Max. And if you don't already know, Mortal Kombat is about, as you can imagine, fighting. First learned about this seven years ago. On a mission in Brazil to capture a wanted fugitive. When we got there, it tore through our unit in seconds. The target has superhuman abilities. It had the same marking you do, Cole. It's a birthmark. What do you mean? He was born with it. It's not a birthmark, Cole. It means you've been chosen. Throughout history, different cultures all over the world reference a great tournament of champions. That dragon marking? I think it's an invitation to fight for something known. As Mortal Kombat. So, the new Mortal Kombat movie has been a streaming hit, becoming the most successfully launched film in HBO Max's history. But this is not the first Mortal Kombat movie. It's just the first in a while. And this violence and fighting in Washington we've seen in the last year, and especially on January 6th, it's not the first violence we've ever seen in the capital as a nation. It's just the first seen by this generation. Back on March 1st, 1954, while Congress was gathered on the House floor for a vote, three men and one woman entered the visitor's gallery above the chamber and took their seats quietly. The Capitol had few security protocols at the time, and the four Puerto Rican nationalists entered the gallery armed with handguns. And around 2.30 p.m., they opened fire on the House floor and unfurled a Puerto Rican flag in a violent act of protest meant to pull attention to their demands for Puerto Rico's immediate independence. It was violent. Five congressmen were wounded in the shooting. House members, House pages, and police officers detained three of the attackers outside the gallery, while a fourth escaped the Capitol and was captured later. So many today think January 6, 2021, was the only time the Capitol has seen violence and fighting. But that's not the case. And there have been others. On June 29, 1854, a fight between Tennessee Representatives William Churchill and William Cullum erupted on the floor of the House. The two Southerners were fighting for over a month about the pro-slavery Kansas-Nebraska bill. Churchill had accused Cullum of having amended the official records to vilify him. After that, Colum jumped over his desk with threatening gestures, and Churchill reached for a gun in his pocket. Representative Burton Crage of North Carolina, who was near Churchill and saw the gun, grabbed Churchill's hand as he went for it. In the chaos, some members say they saw a weapon, others said they had not. The New York Times at the time called the incident, quote, an unfortunate and disgraceful scene. And Churchill and Column apologized to the House the next day. And the membership actually decided against punishing the two, 
and sort of as a cavalier joke, Preston Brooks of South Carolina moved to introduce two resolutions. One, that would permit the House to expel any member bringing concealed weapons into the chamber. Sound familiar? And another, requiring the sergeant-at-arms to construct a rack in the rotunda, where members who were addicted to the carrying of concealed weapons would be required to place them before entering the chamber. The reading of the resolutions, according to the Congressional Globe, was, quote, greeted with much applause and laughter. Now, Preston Brooks is a guy who was known for violence and fighting. He was a Democrat and a strong proponent of slavery, remembered most of all for his May 22nd, 1856 attack upon abolitionist and Republican Senator Charles Sumner. Preston Brooks beat Sumner with a cane on the floor of the Senate, and he nearly beat him to death. Sumner was so badly injured by the beating, he was unable to resume his seat in the Senate for three years. If you're surprised in 2021 that Georgia representative and QAnon conspiracy theorist Marjorie Taylor Greene hasn't been booted from Congress yet, you should know that Preston Brooks wasn't even removed from the House of Representatives. He resigned his seat in July 1856 to allow his constituents to express their views on his conduct, but they re-elected him in August in a special election to fill the vacancy created by his resignation. And he was re-elected to a full term in November 1856. But there was violence back then, too. Historic violence. And historian Stephen Puglio wrote, quote, The caning had an enormous impact on the events that followed over the next four years. As a result of the caning, the country was pushed inexorably and unstoppably to civil war, unquote. So January 6, 2021, was not the first time violence and fighting hit the U.S. Capitol floor. But the fighting inside the Capitol and outside on Twitter and cable TV has never been nastier in our lifetime. That much is true. And it's been like political mortal combat. And our guest this episode has been a fiery fighter deep in that combat. He's been throwing blows on Twitter, punching back for his causes in the media, and when the Capitol was attacked, he helped his congressional colleagues figure out how to put on their gas masks. Because when the fighting broke out in the Capitol, he was one of the fighters with fighting experience. Before serving in Congress, he served as a corporal in the Marine Corps in Iraq during some of the bloodiest fighting of the war. When guns were drawn, shots were fired, and blood was spilled in January, his training kicked in because he knows how to fight. And since that darkest day in modern history, he's continued to fight for accountability, for change, and against some of the most high-profile fighters from the other side. This week, QAnon's favorite radical seditionist in Congress, Georgia Republican Congresswoman Marjorie Taylor Greene, called this man, an Iraq War veteran, a coward. Now, you may disagree with his political positions, but he's no coward. He's a fighter at a time when we need more fighters, and a time when the political combat has never been more intense. In the video game Mortal Kombat, you get to choose your fighter. And lately, a fighter more and more Democrats have chosen, and more and more Americans have chosen, is our guest in this episode, Congressman Ruben 
Gallego. Representative Ruben Gallego is a Democrat who represents the 7th District of Arizona, which includes parts of Phoenix, Glendale, and Tolleson. He was first elected in 2014, and I met him years before, when he was an advocate for veterans like myself, who were fighting together for a new GI Bill back in 2007 and 2008. He's a community leader, he's a son of Hispanic immigrants, and he was the first in his family to attend college, graduating from Harvard. And after that, he took a path that's not exactly standard for Harvard grads. He enlisted in the Marine Corps and deployed to Iraq in 2005 as an infantryman, serving with Lima Company 3rd Battalion 25th Marines. And his company saw some of the worst fighting of the war, losing 22 Marines and a Navy corpsman in just eight months. So after serving in Iraq, Congressman Gallego says he's committed to ensuring that servicemen and women are never sent into harm's way without a plan for winning, securing the peace, and providing post-conflict medical, psychological, and familial care. Now, that same Marine Corps corporal is a member of the House Natural Resources Committee, where he serves as chairman of the Natural Resources Subcommittee for Indigenous Peoples of the United States. He's fought to uphold tribal sovereignty and the federal trust responsibility to Native Americans and Alaska Natives. He held the first ever House hearing on missing and murdered and dangerous women. He oversaw the House passage of legislation affirming tribal nations' rights to their sovereign homelands, and he championed investment in broadband and other critical infrastructure on tribal land. He's advocated for cornerstone federal land and wildlife conservation laws and worked to improve public access to America's iconic public lands. Congressman Gallego, former Corporal Gallego, is also now a member of the powerful House Armed Services Committee. Before being elected to Congress, he was elected to the Arizona House of Representatives and served for four years. And when he was a state legislator, he pushed for Medicaid expansion and in-state tuition for vets. He's an assistant whip for the Democratic Caucus now, first vice chair of the Congressional Hispanic Caucus, and vice chair of the LGBT Equality Caucus. Rubin was born in Chicago and raised by a single mother along with his three sisters. And now he's the father of a four-year-old of his own, who he rushed to pick up from school right after finishing our conversation via Zoom from his home in Arizona. Ruben joins me for a fast conversation covering the most pressing issues facing our country. He tells us what it was like inside the January 6th attack in the Capitol. He talks about how the mob is the weapon. He talks about protecting our allies from murder in Afghanistan as we pull out. I ask him if he'll run against Senator Kristen Sinema in Arizona. I ask him where the hell Biden's been on burn pits and how we get bets not to turn to extremism. And of course, I ask him about Marjorie Taylor Greene calling him a coward and ask him about his favorite drink and his first car. May is here. Mother's Day is coming. Trump has been banned from Facebook. Elon Musk is hosting Saturday Night Live. Memorial Day is just a few weeks away. And July 4th is just two months away. Things continue to improve and look up. But the fighting is still intense. And the fighting is not done. Especially in Washington. And Independent Americans is again bringing you light to contrast all the heat of the other political pods. And we're bringing the power of the righteous media five eyes. Independence, integrity, information, 
inspiration, and impact. And we're bringing you a conversation about the fights we're having now, the fights we should be having, and the fights ahead. It's a conversation to help you stay vigilant because eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. And Ruben Gallego is a guy who knows about the price of freedom. He also knows that hope is the oxygen of democracy, and he'll give you hope. Whether you're a Democrat like him, a Republican like Marjorie Taylor Greene, or a Republican like Liz Cheney, or if you're one of the growing number of independents like me. Independent Americans are growing all across America, but we're not immune from the fighting. And maybe, just maybe, we can be a part of mediating it, or ending it, or bringing people together to do it together rather than against each other. Ruben Gallego is from Arizona. Arizona is an amazing place that's produced a number of key fighters in the last generation. It's the same state that had other heroes out in front. Leaders like Senator John McCain, Navy veteran and POW hero. Leaders now like current Senator Scott Kelly, former astronaut and Navy captain. And leaders like another post-9-11 corporal, Army corporal, Pat Tillman. Before he went to the NFL and left the NFL for the Army Rangers, before he was killed, serving in the same unit as his brother in Afghanistan 17 years ago last month, Pat Tillman was a student and a star football player at Arizona State University in Tempe. Pat Tillman inspired millions with his selfless service and with his choice to fight in Afghanistan. He didn't have to fight, but he did. And even today, almost two decades later, you'll see number 40 Pat Tillman Phoenix Cardinal jerseys in stadiums all across America. And every year at Arizona State, there's a massive and inspiring Pat Tillman Memorial Run to support the great foundation created in his memory by his courageous widow, Marie. I've been in this event, and it's one of the best community and charity runs I've ever been a part of. It's one of my two favorites, right alongside the annual Stephen Siller 9-11 run in New York City that starts in Brooklyn, goes through the Battery Tunnel, and ends at Ground Zero, in the same spot where Stephen Siller gave his life, fighting for others. Pat Tillman wore number 42 in college at ASU. And the Pat Tillman Memorial Run starts early in the desert morning. And tens of thousands of people run across Tempe, 4.2 miles, up into Sun Devil Stadium, ending at the 42-yard line of the football field. 42, just like he wore at ASU. It's an incredible experience that I recommend you and your family add to your bucket list. There's even a .42-mile run for the little ones. But it's a testament to the legacy of a fighter. A fighter from Arizona. A fighter who was bigger than the war he fought in. A war that he himself disagreed with. But Pat Tillman left the NFL to fight for his brothers and sisters. To fight for his country. And to fight for our future. And he will forever represent the fighting spirit of Arizona and of America. Who knows what Pat Tillman might have done with his life if he made it home from Afghanistan. But no doubt, he'd be fighting for the values he believed in and the country he loved. A country that right now remains threatened by the pandemic, by extremism, by apathy, 
and by the division that continues to leave us all vulnerable. But fighters are stepping up all across the country, just like Pat Tillman did, to answer the call from the doctors to the scientists to the nurses to the teachers to the occasional politician. In this perilous time of daily political and social mortal combat, they are America's Cole Young, Sonia Blade, Liu Kang, Jax, and Johnny Cage. Fighting the forces of evil, the forces of Sub-Zero, Shao Kahn, Scorpion, Kano, Goro, and Shang Tsung. Every day in America right now is political mortal combat. And we need fighters for good. And that includes you. So test your might. Welcome to the fight. Welcome to American Politics 2021. Welcome to Mortal Kombat. Welcome to Independent Americans, episode 113. Ladies and gentlemen, independent Americans around the country and around the world. Summer is coming and things are heating up, uh, but in Washington, they never cooled down. And our guest has been in the middle of all of it for the last few years. He's a man I've known for many years now and is definitely a man of the moment. Uh, he's an inspiring leader. Uh, he, he is really in an intense spot, I think, in, in terms of his leadership right now and all the things he's taken on. So he's making time for us right now. Uh, and I'm very humbled and, and grateful to have joining us today uh, the great and powerful Congressman Ruben Gallego. Welcome to Independent Americans, my friend. Thank you for having me. You know, I was, uh, first of all, thanks for doing this. I know you got a lot going on and there's a lot I want to get into, uh, you know, the insurrection Mm. Um, the burn pit uh, hearing that you had today, um, you know, your leadership as, as a veteran uh, and your, your maybe a new kind of asymmetrical warfare, your ongoing battles with Marjorie Taylor Greene. Um, <laughs> and I know you got to pick up your kid at some point soon. So we're going to yeah, yeah, yeah. get through a lot in a short period of time. But thank you for joining us. I was trying to, we we're trying to figure out when did we first meet? It might've been when you were in local government, right? I think it might have been before local government. I think when we were, I think we were uh, lobbying for the GI Bill on Capitol Hill, the new GI Bill, uh, which is back around 2006 or 2007. So I, I didn't get elected to local government until like 2010. Yeah, I mean, that, it's been a long journey and it's been really exciting to see your rise. And I think you've risen to this moment, but also reflecting on, you know, we're getting kind of old, uh, yeah. but you're only what, 41, 42, you know, a younger, 41. Yeah. Going out 41 feels like 60, but yeah, 41. Yeah. And at the knees of a 70 year old though. <laughs> it's like, uh, I'm sure that a year in Congress is like a year in combat, right? It, 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 it no, wears, yeah. never, <laughs> not that hard. <laughs> well, let's, let's get into it. And uh, I want to start by, by asking you the question I ask everybody. Uh, it's been a rough year for a lot of people in this country. Uh, Congressman, where are you and how are you? Look, I'm good. I mean, uh, right now I'm in Phoenix, uh, Arizona, spending time with my family, uh, you know, trying to do a good work-life balance. Uh, it was a rough uh, January and, and March seemed to be the longest year of the year, uh, longest uh, 
month of the year. Uh, and, um, you know, I, I was very disappointed, obviously, what happened on January 6th, but uh, I, I continue to have just the same fighting spirit. You know, I can't let things uh, get me down. And I always got to remember, like, you know, a bad day in, in the office is way better than any day in Iraq. Uh, and uh, I'll take it. I think that perspective has been especially important in the last couple of months uh, when when you hear members of Congress, you know, frankly, whining about about living conditions and other challenges <laughs> while we've got friends still in Afghanistan and around the world. Let me ask you, um, you've been you know, a, a really inspiring story. You went to Harvard and then you went in the Marine Corps as a corporal, as an enlisted guy. Uh, but I know you, you know, early days were in Chicago. A question I ask uh, of all of our guests uh, when you were growing up, what was your first car? Uh, first car was a, I think it was a Pont, uh, 1989 Pontiac Grand Am, uh, blue. Yeah, it was ugly as shit, <laughs> but it got me from point A to point B, uh, you know, especially with the cold weather. Yeah. What kind of blue was it? It was like a metallic blue. It was really trashy. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's like a, that, that, that's an iconically cra- trashy type yeah. vehicle, right? Yeah, yeah. All right. Another question we ask of, of all of our guests and I, I got dressed up, by the way, for you here. So I got a jacket <laughs> on. I haven't worn a jacket in a while because I'm talking to a member of Congress, yeah. even though it's one I've known for a long time. But I have a lot of respect for you. But, uh, you know, you're a normal human being, too. All of us need to step away. And we've asked everybody on this show, uh, Congressman, what is your your drink of choice? If you're going to have an adult beverage, you know, outside of uh, Congress or outside of the military, what is your drink of choice? My go-to is uh, Basil Hayden uh, on a big rock, and I, I uh, partake of that every night almost, and, of course, a good cigar. I knew you wouldn't disappoint, right? <laughs> it's actually good value bourbon. I mean, you, know, you could go more expensive, but I don't make that much. That, that's, that's exactly right. So, um, you know, I, I think it's been inspiring to see your leadership in, in many different ways. Um, but I want to talk about the insurrection because I think mm-hmm. your role was so critical and so illuminating for so many people. Um, you've talked about it a lot. You were inside the Capitol, you know, helping people put gas masks on. You're trained as a Marine infantry man. Um, and, and you've talked a lot about the insurrection. I just got finished doing an interview on MSNBC where some folks seem to have forgotten. Some of your colleagues have forgotten. You know, now that we're five months away Congressman, what do you want people to remember about your experience that day? Well, I'm, I'm not sure people have to remember my experience. I think people have to remember what they felt that day. And, I, you know, talking to people around the world, they were traumatized, both here and people from across the world, that this was happening in the United States, that there was an actual attempt, coup attempt. There were people that were trying to break in to the House of Representatives and the Senate to try to grab hostage of government, uh, try to stop a, the peaceful transition of, of government. You can see even how Donald Trump acts now. He feels like it should have happened, right? Uh, and the fact that Republicans are trying to you know, basically cover it up, it's not because they, they weren't scared. Trust me, I saw the Republicans. They were scared. I saw one guy tear apart like a freaking hand sanitizer stand trying to make it a club because he was afraid of his of the, the own insurrectionists. Saddest part is that he came back and then also voted, again, to decertify the election. So um, the reason they're trying to uh, you know to keyhole this is because they know that the American public was disgusted by it and if they are reminded that this was caused by the the in you know the irresponsible uh, and in my, my opinion illegal actions of the president and other Republicans that they're going to be held they're going to be held you know in consequence during the election cycle but it was 
Go yeah, good. Can, can I ask you, you know, you, Jason Crow was, was a, a you know, ranger. Yeah. I think he was helping people hide under chairs. Um, do you feel like, you know, I remember when it happened, I turned to my wife and I said, they got in, they got in, yeah. like they broke the seal. And as a military planner, I know what that means, right? Like they broke, they breached the wire, right? right. Do, do you think that you and other combat veterans have a different perspective on this because you know how bad it could have gotten? Well, certainly. I mean, I did a lot. I did not a lot, but I did enough uh, um, riot control training in the Marine Corps. Uh, and, you know, dealing with, you know, crowds is very scary. You know, just because uh, a, a mob may not have active weapons on them, the mob is the weapon. And, you know, when people get together like that and they start moving and they get all their you know emotions up fed by a big ass lie, there could be very they could be very dangerous against, uh, you know, any target. And, um, you know, I saw the danger. The other problem that I saw the danger was honestly, you know, my, my friends and on members of Congress, a lot of them are, weren't just, weren't going to be in the shape to fight. You know, they're, they're older, uh, you know, some that aren't in the best health, some that just weren't even in the mental mindset that they may have to fight. I had to talk to a couple of members, like we may have to fight our way out of this because there were, and at that point on the house floor, there's only two or three cops and what was coming, what I saw trying to break through the door was not going to be able to stop by, by those just two, two police officers. Uh, so it was real. It was a real, uh, situation. Uh, if you were there and you were scared, you had a real reason to be scared because, uh, you know, my, my spidey sense says something was about to go down and then sure as shit, it went down. Mm. So now, you know, you've been leading the calls to demand accountability. You know, this is a show that welcomes people of all political backgrounds. You know, a lot of folks are leaving the Republican Party now. Many of them are going to Democratic Party. Many of them are becoming independents. And I've said that I think the biggest uh, and and fastest growing party in this country may be no party at all. And Mm -hmm. it's in part because of leaders like Trump, but also Marjorie Taylor Greene. I mean, you're into it with her, right? You're you're not holding back. She's throwing punches. You're throwing punches. Um, You know, you're on Twitter scrapping it up with her. She called you a coward. Right. Yeah. You're, you know, you're a combat Marine Corps vet beyond politics for her to call you a coward is, is pretty out of bounds. Um, but what do you what's your strategy here? Right. Because some might yeah. say some might say, don't feed the trolls. She's right. a troll. You know, don't feed her. You're elevating her. You're giving her a target. You're sticking yeah. your head up. If you're a Marine, don't give him something to shoot at. Right. But talk to us about what you're what your political strategy is here. What do you want to achieve by getting down in the mess with somebody like Marjorie Taylor Greene that I view as an enemy of the state, you know, a traitor, someone who's been endorsed by QAnon, but talk to us, talk us through what what you're thinking. Well, first of all, like I'm I'm not engaging with her anymore. I did, I did my, my hit and run and, and I have other things to do. Like while she was messing around on Twitter yesterday, I passed two bills out of committee and I chaired, I am the chairman of the intelligence and special operations subcommittee. And I chaired a hearing on countering WMDs. Right. So I don't got time to to mess with stupid people. Right. So she could do what she wants on Twitter. The thing that I wanted to, I I don't want to go on, leave unchecked is when members of Congress uh, go on Twitter and basically say the Democrats are the enemy of the state, that we are the enemy within. Right. And I'm not going to let that stand, especially when she was one of the largest advocates for the insurrection. She was one of the first people that ran the hell out of the of the floors of, of the House of Representatives when the insurrectionists came. Right. Uh, so while you shouldn't get down uh, with, you know, never, never fight people with lower IQ because you're going to end up with a lower IQ also. Uh, I'm also not going to let them call me and my fellow Democrats, you know, the unpatriotic uh, and certainly not 
from an insurrectionist like herself and the QAnon loving person that she is, right? That's some bullshit and I'm not going to stand for it. Right. So my, my strategy is that you just need to fight back and Democrats need to have a fighting spirit. And yes, we should elevate ourselves and have, you know, go to the next level sometimes, but sometimes you just got to go down there and get into the muck with them because you need to be fighting for the right reasons. And when someone says something really stupid, you just need to hit back. Right. So I went, made, made my, my counter post. She hit me back. Uh, she's not really good in terms of her arguments. And I think I pretty much, uh, burned her as much as I could. And now I walk away and I'll keep continuing doing my job and she could continue, you know, talking to whatever conspiracy theory people that she wants to. Hmm. How do we, I just finished, like I said, and it just feels good, man. You know, sometimes when people are just stupid. You just got to smack the stupid out of the report. <laughs> Well, let, let me let me take you, let me ask you to take that a step further, right? Because I've been in in the national discussion you have as well about how do we fight extremism? How do we fight the enemy that is extremism? How do we? And, yeah. and now, you know, another story came out today. A fourth uh, reservist was part of the insurrection. We know, you know, they're, so far they're not disproportionate relative to the population, but they're significant. Right. So, in your view, uh, obviously, you know, you've talked about accountability for members of Congress, but how do we stop our buddies? Guys that yeah. we were in the Army or the Marine Corps with that are on, and gals that are on our Facebook page that we know that might go over to the dark side. How, how do you think we fight extremism, not just in Congress, but on the ground in Arizona and Texas and Florida and across the country? Well, look, the problem we got to start the way you fight misinformation is before it really takes off. Right. And, and sometimes that can be really, really difficult. Uh, so if you have your buddies and I have my my, my Marine Corps friend list. Right. And. I'm their, their, their token uh, Democrat. There's a couple other ones, obviously, from, from my uh, unit. Uh, but whenever I see something, you know, I really do try to just interject with facts, right? And they'll get pissed at me and they'll fight, back, fight me back on it just for bringing up facts. But I just kind of keep pushing it. And, and hopefully, you know, eventually that'll prove, push them to actually go do their own independent uh, research. Uh, you know, and sometimes they already come in with a certain level of prejudice where they want to see something bad as it is. Uh, and the best thing you could do is just try to point to the good things or the the, the lighter parts of, of a you know conversation. You know, my friends want to hate Biden, right? It's 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 like in their core to hate Biden. Uh, and for example, there was some meme going around about uh, you know that we're giving more to uh, illegals than we are for veterans homelessness. And then I went and pointed out, like by the way, you know we're actually putting billions of dollars into veterans homelessness with a CARES package. And, you know, these Republicans that you guys support rejected it and they lost their minds that I even suggest that when I proved it was real, then, you know, they were very quiet. Now, did I change their minds? No. But what I'm hoping that it does is that they'll, it'll make them think twice about posting things without actually doing some background and, and research to it. Mm. You've been uh, a great voice on uh, understanding the costs and consequences of combat. You know, you are now, you know, it's come full circle, right? You know, now yeah. you're, you're, you're cross-examining, you know, leaders of the Pentagon and decision makers when you were once, you know, a lowly corporal in the Marine Corps. You've been outspoken on Afghanistan. We now know Afghanistan's coming to an end. Um, you know, I, I think you've, you've talked a lot about that, but I want to give you a chance to talk about something that I know is very important to us, to me, you, and many who've been there uh, and in Iraq and other places, which is not abandoning our allies. Right. Mm -hmm. And and the need for protecting the people who protected us. 
I think Biden has bungled this. Like, you know, it didn't seem like he made it a priority. And now he's walking back the numbers. Can you break it down? What, what do you think the president should be doing? What should America be doing um, and, as we leave, you know, in a couple of months? Well, certainly we need to make sure that all the interpreters and government workers that are Afghan uh, and or mostly Afghan, that we give them and their family visas uh, as soon as possible to come to the United States. Right. I know there's a process, everything else like that. But leaving them in Afghanistan once we leave is is just horrific. Right. It's a disgraceful. So there will be a stain on our, our soul if we do that. So the way we counteract that. Um, and in my opinion is, you know, if we have to do this and it's going to be a problem, like there's, there's plenty of bases all around the world that we could fly some of these families to in the meantime, until they finish their, uh, their process. Right. Um, we could, you know, put them in, uh, host countries that'll, that'll help us out, uh, in the meantime, obviously we'll have to negotiate that, but we can't just let bureaucracy be the excuse, Right. We just can't let that say like, well, we really want them here, but because it's a, you know, a review process and this and that, we're going to let potentially thousands of people die. We can't do that. That's just not the way we are. That's not what we're supposed to do as a country. Uh, we know in Iraq that ISIS, as soon as it came into certain towns in Al-Anbar, where I operated, they had lists of the, of the men and women that had helped us uh, uh, while we were there. And they were the first ones who were dragged out and shot, right? That's what the Taliban potentially can do in, in, in Afghanistan. Hopefully it doesn't happen. But we need to give these people that opportunity to leave the country if they want, because that's a promise we made to them in the first place. And if we don't follow, fulfill our promises, we, we may not get that help next time around. We, we find ourselves in another situation where we need local indigenous help. Yeah, right. And all the other countries around the world where men and women are in uniform right now and depending on locals, they're looking at left and right and saying, hey, they didn't help the Afghans. They're not going to help right. me either. Right. Why yep. should I step up? So, you know, the Guam option. Right. Or wherever it right. is, you, you send them somewhere in the meantime where they can get vetted until they get processed in. But at least they're out of the line of fire. You've yep. also been helpful and I think really a leader on understanding another consequence of that war and many others, which is burn pits. You know, this mm -hmm. week you led a hearing uh, to finally get burn pits on the radar. It took us really decades. I feel like we started talking about burn pits when we were talking about the GI Bill. And for years, we've been saying this is our Agent Orange. John Stewart has been like fuel injection again. And it's many of the same folks who fought for 9-11 uh, first responders, health care. Um, this was a big week, I think, in terms of the national consciousness, right? Um, yeah. Are we going to get this done? And, and are we going to get presumption done Right. Like that's the big key here is like, do you, are you going to give a presumption or make people fight the system for many, many years? And also, where's Biden? Like, I, I've been a supporter of the president on many of these issues. He said that he thinks Bo may have gotten cancer from a burn pit, but he's been notably silent. I mean, I'm disappointed with him. What are your thoughts on, on those couple of questions? Well, just to make sure I didn't lead a hearing, uh, I got to give credit to Mark Takano uh, sure. for that. Uh, and um, he is the one that really has been leading this uh, all together. And then it was Lisa Slock and, and uh, Congressman Rule Ruiz that introduced another language, um, the language that actually mattered uh, to get this done. So, you know, I'm the reason I care about it, obviously, is because there's so many of my friends that were affected by it. I'm pretty sure I will be affected by it someday. I was exposed to a burn pit forever. It feels like forever, but it was a couple months. Yeah. Um, but it is our Agent Orange. I can't speak to where the president is on this. Um, I don't, I, you know, he's got a lot of other things happening. I do uh, think that VA uh, Administrator uh, Donahue, I'm sorry, 
uh, McDonough. Yeah. McDonough. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, is, is, you know, really trying to do his best, but I think we have to have presumption. You know, the reason people aren't going through is because we just cannot get enough uh, uh, claims uh, authenticated. So we have to have presumption because the people that are doing this are, are just not doing it. Look, I, I hope the president will meet with you. I hope he'll meet with other veterans because it's a big difference when a member of Congress is sitting across from you demanding that people get taken care of. That includes them. Right. Right. Like your lungs may be torched. My lungs may be torched. And we don't want to have to fight for decades. Just the the things that are happening to to female veterans, too, are just barely understood, too, which is 20 percent of our population. So another breaking point, national security defense seemed to happen this this last couple of weeks. Joni Ernst and others have now finally gotten on board with Gillibrand and and the uh, Military Justice Improvement Act to take military sexual assault out of the chain of command. Now General Milley is there. Do you feel like we're a a dam is broken and this is finally going to happen? Yeah, and I think it is just because I think General Milley is actually following what he thinks is going to happen among the voters. Uh, themselves, among the, the members of Congress themselves. Uh, look, there hasn't been any change. Nothing's happened in terms of actually getting this done. Um, it, you know, the internal mechanisms to really keep this uh, you know, good good order has not happened. So now we have to take this out, put it back in the civilian world. So we're just not going to have, you know, women joining the military and they need them as part of our uh, full population. Hmm. All right. I know I got to let you go. You got a lot happening right now. Let me ask you something. I'm an independent. There are a lot of folks in your party that are very disappointed with uh, with with Senator Sinema right now. Uh, you know, your, your state very proudly put forward a decorated combat veteran. Uh, would you ever challenge her, uh, you know, for the Senate, uh, you know, in, in an upcoming race to give people <laughs> an alternative? No, look, I believe in Senator Sinema. I've known her since I mean, we both were young people in politics. You know, she knows how to win in Arizona. And I think she also knows how to deliver. So, you know, everyone have faith in her. I think she's going to do the right thing and she's going to get things done, uh, you know, in her way. And she will deliver for Arizona. She will deliver for working class people. Look, I know you got to go. So I want to thank you. I got to pick up the little kiddo. I know you got to pick up your son. I want to thank you for your leadership. I want to thank you for your continued service. I want to thank you for fighting the good fight, for making time for me. I'm yes. going to send you some gifts. You got some independent Americans gear coming your way. Awesome. Okay. I'm going to send you some Uncle Nearest whiskey. Which oh, I that's, think you, yeah, that's you, really good. You I've will enjoy. That. And the last gift that's also a question, Easter just passed. Mother's Day is coming up. There are three colors of peeps before me, Congress. Yellow. Pink, yellow, and blue. Which color yellow. would you pick and why? Yellow, always. Just why because yellow? that's what I remember growing up with. Well, it's been exciting to watch you grow up politically, Uh, you know, to see you go from an advocate on Capitol Hill to now leading the national discussion on the most important issues of our time. I'm I'm honored to know you. I appreciate you. We don't always agree on things politically, but you don't have to. I mean, that's the other thing. We just got to get back to that point where Democrats, Republicans, independents can just agree to disagree. Uh, And you don't have to. And it doesn't mean that we're all a bunch of unpatriotic people. Right. I have a lot of Republican friends. It's fine. Like just just as long as we don't say the other person somehow wants to destroy America. Yeah, that's right. And we all unless you're, all gotta, sedi- unless you're actually seditionist, then yes. In that point, yeah, you are which is serious. Right. We, we that is different. Like lock them up and, and deal with it. I mean, it, it's as serious as a heart attack right now. But, you know, we all agree it's important to go pick up our kids after school. You're thank a great y'all. role model. So thank you for your leadership. And thank you. Thank for you. Joining us Please have me back on. Adios. Thank you. Stay vigilant, my friend.
There it is. One of the rising stars in American politics, a man who has fought for America overseas and is now fighting for America here at home. He's a fighter facing death again inside his own capital. That's a next level of Mortal Kombat. But that conversation is a reminder of the importance of staying vigilant and a good reminder to keep your kids first. Ruben Gallego has a life story that our kids can look up to, and I hope he'll be a leader that can help lead us all forward for our kids and help us bring together true patriots to fight the seditionists and the extremists and to find a way out of the darkness and toward the light, a light that continues to shine brighter and brighter by the day. As the days get warmer, America's continuing to heal. This will always be a place that welcomes everyone into the light, independents, Democrats, Republicans, and everyone in between. No war lasts forever. And eventually, the fighting we're seeing in Washington will end. It has to. We've got to come together and stay together, even if only to fight the virus in the final days and to defend against our enemies, wherever and whenever possible. Hope is the oxygen of democracy. And we all need to be fighting now to spread that hope. And we got to keep it punching and hitting all across America, pounding the virus and hitting it with the ultimate national finishing move. Finish him! We'll finish the virus and emerge stronger at the broken places. After taking a pounding or bouncing off the mat with a Tyson Fury-like Undertaker move, bouncing off bottom just in time for Mother's Day. The hope of the future of America is more and more contagious by the day. And that hope is the oxygen of democracy that will be flooding all across America this week for Mother's Day. Mothers are some of the toughest fighters among us. And this weekend, they finally get their day. And for so many, it'll be the happiest Mother's Day ever. Because Mother's Day is happening. Father's Day will be happening. Cinco de Mayo is happening right after I finish the show. Baby showers are happening. Weddings are happening. Graduations will be happening. The hope is emerging as the toughest fighter of all, much more dominant than the virus. And that hope is inspiring more hope. And fighters are training more fighters. And it's getting contagious. So keep being a fighter. Keep being a helper. Keep it spreading. And we can all be like Ruben Gallego. And all our recent guests, from Paul Begala to John Bernthal, all the way back to our Mother's Day special this time last year with the founder of Moms Rising, Kristen Rowe Finkbeiner. If you haven't heard that show, go back and check it out. And check out past shows with other amazing moms, like CNN's Bianca Goladriga, ABC's Martha Raddatz, NPR education expert Anya Kamenetz, MSNBC's Stephanie Rule, one of my favorite shows of all time, and the incredible Samantha B. They're all good episodes to share with your mom or any mom in your life. They also make a great and free last-minute Mother's Day gift. So this Mother's Day, like the hope, please spread this show wherever you can. And of course, check out our new show from Righteous Media, Everybody and Their Mother Has a Podcast, which couldn't be more perfect for Mother's Day. Episode 5 is posted now with our favorite mom, Sharon Koppelman, this week's Mother's Day episode of Everybody and Their Mother Has a Podcast has a little taste of everything. Art, music, smoking, wheelchairs, casinos, a dash of cinnamon, and tales of revenge. Rick will share his experience with the classic schoolyard bully, 
and how his amazing big brother was there for him when he needed him most. And then years later, how he faced down his nemesis. Sharon shares stories of parenting. She shares more of her controversial art. And she shares how she gave up cigarettes cold turkey one night in Las Vegas. Plus, we've got an all-new song from Rick called I Left My Cinnamon in Santa Monica. It's a fun and empowering pre-Mother's Day episode of Everybody and Their Mother Has a Podcast. So go check it out wherever you got this podcast, in the Apple Podcast Store, or at Righteous.us. Sharon from Everybody and Their Mother Has a Podcast is really a true hero. Just like my mom. My mom really is a true hero of mine. And she's a true fighter who continues to inspire me all the time. Including this week, when at the age of 74, she applied and was accepted to graduate school. In the middle of the pandemic, my 74-year-old mother applied to grad school and got in to a top program, a master's program in mental health and wellness. I'm really proud of her. My mom always taught me about the importance of hope and helping others, and she's going to continue to do it, even at 74 and beyond. She also taught me to keep breathing. She was holding her breath, waiting to see if she'd get in, and we were all holding our breath a little. And now, we can celebrate. Just like after fighting the virus for the last year, and after wearing a mask for the last year, we can all breathe a bit easier now. And with the warm weather coming, we'll still have challenges and we'll still need to breathe, just like my mom taught me. So do it with me. There it is. Keep breathing, just like my mom would tell you. Breathe in that oxygen and that hope and encourage others to do the same. Because we can beat the pandemic. And you can get into grad school in your 70s. But we got to fight until the end. We need two more good months of focus. We got to finish this thing and bring along as many others as we can. Especially for our mothers. And like our mothers. Be a helper and fight for others. That's what my mom has always done. Share good info. Fight the misinformation and conspiracies. Fight the extremists and the enemies of our future and the virus. It's how we get America to better days together this summer and beyond. We can all be helpers. It's the core of the fighting spirit of America. Fighting doesn't mean destroying. It means helping. And for many folks who didn't have mothers or fathers growing up, and for many who did, Mr. Rogers was the one who taught us that. And especially this Mother's Day, it's more important than ever to remember his words. Always look for the helpers. There will always be helpers, you know, even just on the sidelines. Because if you look for the helpers, you'll know that there's hope. We fought hard over the last year to help each other. And we're getting healthier, stronger, and happier. And it's the moms who have sacrificed so much to make it possible. They're the true legends in this land of mortal combat. And too many have fallen. Hundreds of thousands of mothers have been lost. But even more would have been lost without their courage and leadership. From all political, geographic, racial, and social backgrounds. They're the helpers. And that includes so many mothers. And outside of my own mother, my wife, my sister-in-law, my stepmom, and other moms in my direct family, I have a favorite mom that's not my own. 
I just adore her. And she's a helper of the highest magnitude. And here she is in a video with Faith Hill, Lynn Miranda, J-Lo, Russell Wilson, and others. We all want to get together with our family and friends. And the best way to make that happen is getting the vaccine as soon as it's available to you. So I was wondering, would you join me in helping to spread the word? Happy to do it. It feels like we're so close to turning the corner on controlling this virus. We can't stop now. Should we just start going door to door and offering people vaccines? Oh my God, I love that. Sign me up. I was thinking more along the lines of telling your friends and families that these vaccines were made to save lives. And they're also going to be the thing that gets us back to our loved ones and back to concerts and comedy clubs and restaurants. But what if somebody's afraid of needles? You're afraid of needles? I didn't say I'm afraid of needles. No shame in that game. They feel that way too sometimes. No one actually likes needles. It's totally normal to be afraid of needles. But our nurses and medical personnel will make it as painless as possible. All right, all right. Count me in. I knew I could count on you. Here's the deal. I need each of you to do your part and ask as many people as possible to get informed about their options because getting vaccinated is the first step to seeing our friends and family again. I love Michelle Obama. I think she's one of the greatest American moms of our time. And she touches on a key issue that's still holding some people back from getting the vaccine. They hate needles. And so this is a good message to share. And I'll post it on social, and I hope you'll share it. We got to fight the fear and the apathy and the misinformation and listen to Michelle Obama. Do it for your mama. Listen to Michelle Obama. Get the vaccine and help others get the vaccine. Do it for your mama and for other people's mama. And be like Dolly Parton and the Dalai Lama, four presidents, Sammy Hagar, Sarah Palin, John Stewart, my wife, me, and my mom. Get the vaccine. Tell people to listen to Dolly Parton. Don't be a chicken squat. Get the shot. Don't miss out. Pull that arm out. Listen to Michelle Obama. Do it for your mama. It's an easy way you can be a helper. And my thanks to all the helpers that made this episode happen, especially my guest, Congressman Ruben Gallego, and to Jose Contreras and Christina Carr and his team. Be sure to follow the congressman on Twitter, look for him in the news, and support him on key issues like burn pits and military justice, which impacts millions of moms and millions of independent Americans. Independent Americans are the future, especially the moms. And Ruben Gallego talks a lot about how his single mom raised him and set him up to succeed. And his mom, like moms everywhere, represent that independent spirit that makes this country great. And you can see it because his mom raised a true helper. Thank you to lots of other helpers. Thank you to Nicole Wallace on MSNBC. She had me on her show this week, Deadline White House, to talk about extremism. I joined her recently with Wes Moore, and I think we're going to make it a regular thing. So look for me in the future on Deadline White House with Nicole Wallace. She always keeps it real and she always has intelligent conversations. Thanks to some other helpers, especially the Righteous Media team, creative Chris Rosenthal. Happy birthday to the wizard, creative Chris Rosenthal, who also got vaccinated this week and he's headed to the beach. Enjoy, my friend. And of course, my thanks to brilliant Bill Schultz for his mastery all over this episode and precise Paula Hernandez for keeping our operations going. They all make this show possible. And if you thought this show was good stuff, please go to the Apple Podcast Store and give us five stars. 
Be sure to subscribe for free and share. It's a Mother's Day gift that's 100% free. And you can visit us at independentamericans.us. There's links to all our social media and our new merchandise, which is hot and moving. You can order it now and still send your mother a late Mother's Day gift or start Father's Day early. Get some gear for your favorite independent mom or dad. Go to independentamericans.us to see what's there. Badass camping mugs, hats, t-shirts, and more all at independentamericans.us. You can also see video of this conversation with Ruben and over 100 other episodes with leaders ranging from Henry Rollins to Chuck D. Also check out the Righteous Media YouTube page and subscribe. It's all free. And if you've got friends who don't listen to podcasts, I'll bet you they can figure out YouTube. So share the Righteous Media and Independent Americans YouTube content today. America's still divided, but Independent Americans is adding light to contrast the heat of the other shows. And we're continuing to bring the Righteous Media Five Eyes, independence, integrity, information, inspiration, and impact. If you're part of the 40% of Americans who are independent, this is your show. If you're a Republican or a Democrat and you're not a diehard partisan, and even if you are, this is your show. If you're a concerned American who cares about the future of our country and about this country's mothers, this is your show. All are welcome and we invite you to join us and be a part of the solution. Just like our fearless Patreon members, my thanks to all of you who continue to support this show, including our newest member, Bill Tavell, my longtime friend, Bill Tavell, an awesome human being. Welcome to the Patreon community. Welcome to the Independent Americans Patreon community, Bill, and everybody else who's recently joined. If you're not in the club, you can join us for exclusive access and events. Check out the Independent Americans Patreon community. Or give it to your mom as a gift for just five bucks. She can get access to events, guests, merch discounts, and exclusive content. And as I told you last episode, we're going to have another very special happy hour coming up later this month. Save the date, Thursday, March 20th at 8.30 Eastern. Patreon members are going to get special access, and then we're going to open up to anyone who wants to join us. So check out independentamericans.us for more, and check us out on Patreon. There's another big thank you I want to say. This week, I finished my annual 9-11 health physical. It's hard to believe, but it's been 20 years since 9-11. And I want to send a huge thanks to all the activists who made the Zadroga bill possible that ensures we get this care. I also want to send a huge no thanks to Senators Rand Paul and Mike Lee who voted against the bill. And a massive thanks to everybody at the awesome Mount Sinai staff who make this easy every year. And it's even easier this year with a new facility in Suffern, New York. So if you were there on 9-11, no matter what state you were in, please go get checked. It's free. And if you have symptoms, they will help you get the help you deserve. It's 100% free. Do it for your families. Do it for your mothers. Do it for the 9-11 first responders community. After 20 years, we're still in this together. Even if others have forgotten, we will never forget. And I never forget my two boys and my spectacular, amazing, fantastic wife. Now, I told you Trash Truck was coming, and finally, the new season of Trash Truck is here. It's not just May the 4th be with you celebrating Star Wars. It was also Trash Truck Day at our house. So each of us assumed a character from the show, and we power-watched the first five episodes. And today, the real Trash Truck came by and got our trash. But it was also May the 4th. So I'm calling all you Star Wars experts out there that are also parents. As you may know, I have two little kids, ages two and five, and I want to ask our community, 
what's the best age and way to introduce them to the amazingness that's Star Wars? They're still small. I don't want to launch them into movies with dudes getting their arms cut off by laser swords. So tell me what you think. Hit me up on social media and tell me what you think the best way to introduce my kids to Star Wars is. And I've got an update for you. Our LA Express flag football team was victorious yet again. But here's an interesting component. We had to actually play ourselves. The night before the game, we found out that all the kids on our opposing team, except for two, were quarantining. And so we're only allowed to have five kids on the field at one time. So we had the two kids that were left from the other team show up. We gave them a couple of our kids, and we had five on five, basically against ourselves, plus two other kids. But if you want another reason to get the vaccine, don't screw up flag football for the kids. Despite the challenges, we had another fourth quarter comeback and are 3-0. And we had a big lesson on our team this week. Don't stop until the whistle blows. A couple times during the game, kids thought their flag had been taken and they stopped running. But the whistle hadn't blown. And twice, they kept going and scored a touchdown. So don't stop until the whistle blows. It's true in football, it's true in the pandemic, and it's true in life. And it's especially true in parenting. And that's what my amazing wife shows me, as a mother, every single day. She was on the sidelines of our game this week, and on the field, and all around just like she's been all year and always. She's the toughest fighter in our crew. She's a role model. She's an entrepreneur. She's a helper. And she's a true inspiration. And she really loves this song. Sometimes all I think about is you. Late nights in the middle of June. He's been faking me out. Can't make you happier now. That's my wife Lori's favorite song right now. And it's catchy as hell, so I'm playing it for her. She's the ultimate fighter, like so many other mothers all across this country. I love her, and I want to wish her a happy Mother's Day. And a happy Mother's Day to all the other mothers. Late nights in June, and heat waves are coming. And Independence Day will be our national party, our VC Day. That'll be the day for all Americans to declare our independence from the virus. We're surviving this fight. And thriving. This last year of Mortal Kombat in America hasn't been a game. And it's mothers like my wife and so many others that have gotten us through it and put us in a position to emerge and thrive. America is bouncing off bottom, and we will finish the fight. And we'll have lots of great songs to play and sing and share all summer long. And we'll keep this movement growing week by week by week. And we'll stay vigilant because eternal vigilance is the price of freedom. And with hope in our hearts, it's how we'll get to the best summer in a very, very long time. If we fight to the end, if we play until the whistle, and if we finish the job. So pass the word, pass the hope, and know you're not alone in your vigilance. We're all vigilant. We're all in this together. From Ruben Gallego to Sub-Zero to Michelle Obama to my mom, to your mom, and to all the moms in between and all around the world. I'm your host, Paul Rykoff. Happy Mother's Day. Stay frosty and stay vigilant, America.